Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. We're going to put this very important disorder in the spotlight tonight. One of the side effects of the COVID 19 pandemic lockdowns is that some people, some, struggle to re-emerge from their period of isolation and they show extreme and persistent withdrawals that could last for a long time causing distress to themselves and those who care uh, for or those that they care for and support them. Now, in Japan, this pattern of behavior is so common, it's now known as hikikomori, derived from the verb hiki, to withdraw, and komori, to be inside. Now, globally, as we gradually pivot from epidemic to endemic, the implications of the disorder become more significant for those affected, especially as the pressure to return to the physical world increases. With the rise of new technology escalating the reliability of virtual interaction, will the hikikomori condition become more prevalent? Let's find out now from Professor Jan Andres. He's Associate Professor of Information Systems and Associate Dean of Faculty at ESSEC Asia-Pacific. Hi, Jan. Hello. Hi. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Sure, Jan. This is a very interesting phenomenon, and it can also be very devastating and debilitating for the people who suffer it. I understand that this was something that was being examined even pre-COVID. Tell us more. Yes, uh, right. Pre-COVID, there was already uh, a growing number of hikikomori in Japan. So um, a colleague and I, we decided to try to understand the role of technology in uh, hikikomori in Japan. We we thought that hikikomori was heavily enabled by digital technology. And so we went there thinking we will meet a lot of uh, internet addicts and, and, and gamers. And the reality was very different from that, actually. So what did you find? Well, actually, the recovering uh, patients we, we, we met uh, in, in some of the clinics and, and uh, social services were actually very low-tech. So they were mm. not using um, smartphones. They didn't have really modern computers. They were not really uh, connected on social media. Right. Um, so it made us realize that the problem was very different than what we expected, actually. Mm. So how is this unfurling here in Singapore at this time? Um, So so Singapore is quite different from Japan. Um, I think hikikomori is a condition that has been observed for many years in Japan, documented. The government is aware of it. There's a number of of institutions uh, and and services actually set up to help hikikomori uh, people to get out of home. While in Singapore, it's not as prevalent. It's more like a rare, rarer, I would say, um, condition. And mm. so if people don't seek help of self-report, it's very difficult to estimate the number of affected people in Singapore. Right. It's very difficult to size the number of people in Singapore. So what are the key drivers, really, of this condition? So, so there are two types of hikikomori. Uh, one, uh, what we call primary hikikomori, are people who have no psychiatric um, disorders, while the second one, secondary hikikomori, do have psychiatric disorders. So um, if, we, if we believe that one of the reasons is that someone has some mental illness, mm-hmm. it can lead to hikikomori, that's the, the secondary. The primary one can come from, for example, a traumatic childhood experience, uh, or social rejection, bullying at school, 
It can be um, very simple things like failure at school, losing or not getting a job or breaking up with a lover. But it could be also um, family or socially uh, driven. So the dynamics within a family could be problematic, like parent separation or over-dependence, actually, on, on some parents. Um, one, we, one thing that we also see, of course, is addiction or addictive disorders, such mm. as substance-related disorders like drugs and also behavioral ones like gambling and, and gaming, right? So there's a, there's a whole spectrum of hikikomori. It's not just one type. So, Jan, how can this disorder be diagnosed? Though This is not just common people who are withdrawing from the rest of the world. Well, diagnosis is very difficult, actually, because even in Japan, they, they do have a questionnaire of 25 questions to diagnose this. Mm. And it seems that because it's some kind of modern depression, mm. um, it's not considered to be a mental illness. It's still considered to be a condition. And because it, there's a wide spectrum, um, the only way to tell if someone is hikikomori or not is if it's someone doesn't leave home for more than six months. Okay. So, okay. yeah, that's one of the main uh, factor. After that, we need to investigate a bit. Do you have any suggestions as to how diagnosis can be done more effectively? Um, that's more like a medical uh, issue, I would say. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that um, technology has been heavily used to help people to get out of hikikomori. Mm. So, um, because there's different phases, right? There's the prevention, the the actual um, uh, diagnosis of it, but there's also the recovery. And, and I think the study that we ran was really about how uh, technology helped uh, people to get out of hikikomori. Yeah, when actually, and, I think a lot of people were thinking that technology actually causes it or contributes mm. to it. True. So, so that's the that's the whole paradox. Right. Uh, in, in, to some extent, on one hand, uh, digital technology can help people to connect and socialize, mm-hmm. uh, and on the other hand, it it helps people to evade um, to um, evade reality, comfort themselves in loneliness, and so you have this duality of the bright versus the dark side of of technology, and so interestingly. Um, during our study, we, we went once uh, to Tokyo to really focus on the bright side of it. Mm. And we met a bunch of uh, really interesting companies doing um, really nice work around um, using social um, gaming to help Hikikomori socialize more already online and then try to get them out of it uh, by bringing them um, in, into the real world. Pokemon Go was one of the games that oh. was heavily used for mm. treatment. Um, right. So, so there, there are some interesting stories about how to help. And one thing that we saw is that not only the hikikomori um, uh, were kind of helped, but also the families, because very often the families suffer a lot from, mm-hmm. from this condition. Mm. And so there's a lot of support groups um, online to help them to... Um, cope with a hikikomori family member. Mm. Um, so, yeah. You mentioned Pokemon Go. Are there any other examples of technology that would help these individuals come out of hiding, so to speak? So many of them were first um, online games. So um, using avatars to kind of simulate um, themselves in an environment which would be a bit safer than reality. Because many of the hikikomori, especially they stayed more than 10 years at home, uh, many of them 
do stay very long period of time at home, hmm. they have a anxiety to socialize again. So we need to go step by step. Mm. And some of the the platforms were there to help them to communicate and, and through avatars and that directly themselves. But to what extent can they then adjust to real life, actually socializing in the real physical world? Um, there are help groups. So we, we, we met um, a number of social workers working for the government, uh, helping Hikikomori to, take, to get internships in companies that were uh, aware of the situation and helping them to cope with uh, a slow socializing uh, procedure. And so what they would do is not to organize meetings or they would let them work by themselves just to get them back into society without forcing them to have too much social pressure. We're speaking to Professor Jan Andres about the hikikomori disorder where people are withdrawing from society. Professor, I'm just listening to you talk about this. Is this disorder, though, uh, dangerous in a way that the people who are suffering from it are harming themselves or the people around them, other than their families and friends, perhaps, who are uh, worried about them? What if they, this is what they want to do? Mm, it's it's very difficult um, to to really generalize because mm. we we see um, a, a number of different type of hikikomori as I said before. Mm. So some of them will self harm themselves, uh. Uh, be violent. Some of them would be extremely um, um, shy or not even um, engage in any kind of relationship with anyone, mm. staying in the room. So we we see. Um, a very wide spectrum of of, of um, conditions, actually. I'm wondering about the impact that COVID-19 had on these individuals when, frankly, everyone was encouraged to be a hermit, right? <laughs> Stay indoors, don't engage. So how exactly did the pandemic affect them? Did they perhaps finally feel like, oh, they were fitting in, they were doing the right thing? But then now with reopening again, what they're going through is being described as a disorder. Right, right. So I, I didn't run the study post-COVID, so it would okay. be, and we are still in COVID. But at the same time, we see that um, it, it, of course, um, uh, delay their social uh, social reinsertion, right? Mm. Because they don't have the possibility to go out, and even if they wanted to, they are kind of stuck. So, uh, to some extent, for those who were kind of recovering, it could have been quite difficult during that period of time. For those who are within the Hikikomori state, they might be not so affected. Okay, Professor, one last thing. Help us identify these people. If we have them within us, how can we identify that they may be suffering from Hikikomori and how can we help them? So, so the, the, the main thing is that they would not want to go out of home. So that's the first thing. So mm-hmm. once you see someone who doesn't want to go out of home, that's a uh, early sign, and uh, it has to be for uh, some time. So maybe sometimes it could be one or two days per week that they go out, but the rest of the time they're happy at home and it gets worse over time. So uh, once it becomes more than six months, it's definitely a case of hikikomori from the definition. And then um, if you need to get help for, for such uh, individuals, there is two possibilities. There's either social help, so you have services in Singapore, um, that are actually specialized in this. It could be school, ca- school counseling services if, if the, the, the person is still a student, or there could be some community centers or social services. Mm-hmm. Um, more specifically, there's Reach West from NUH or the National Addiction Management Service uh, 
also that can do uh, help. Otherwise, very simple things like talking to a GP, a primary care physician, or going to um, the hospital mental health services, even the private ones, uh, providers can help on this. All right. Thank you very much for that. Professor Jan Andres, Associate Professor of Information Systems and Associate Dean of Faculty at ESSEC Asia Pacific. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.